Welcome back to Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. Hi, welcome to Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. I'm Scott, this is Pat. Say hello. Hello. And we're continuing our Legion, final season of Legion coverage. Um, Hair Metal Hero is just missing in action completely at this point. He'll probably be back for whatever other projects, but he's busy doing Stranger Things stuff. So we will see him when we see him. Um, but we, we finally get the long-awaited and teased uh, appearance of Charles. We haven't actually heard the word Xavier yet, but that's unnecessary because we know who he is. And uh wasn't sure what to expect. I, I didn't expect them kind of to do an entire origin story, but they pretty much did. You know, Charles's and, and David's, essentially. So that that was nice to see. Uh, and, and a very Charles-centric um, episode. We, we mostly only hear David in voiceover, which was done kind of cool. And saved a lot on special effects, I'm sure. But... Uh, what were your initial impressions of the, I mean, we're going to go down the whole synopsis here, um, the detailed one like last week, but what was your initial, initial assessment of the episode? Um, they picked a real creepy looking Charles Xavier. Oh, I, wow. Okay. (laughs) They're not, you're not. (laughs) I don't know. We we had hair. So, I mean, that was weird. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's Khaleesi's brother. Oh, God, that's right. Yeah, I knew he looked yeah. familiar. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Well, yeah, that, that probably added to the creep factor for you because you apparently realized yeah. that while watching. But, but, but you uh, know, he, he's kind of your generic British actor, so I, I didn't mm-hmm. find him creepy other than uh, some of the things he did. Um, but but I made right. the bold claim, you know, on our Weekly Heroics Facebook page, which we have, by the way. Go look for it and join it. Um that was best uh, Xavier origin story, you know, better than uh, X-Men First Class. And, well, I think in both versions, he manipulates people to his own ends. Oh, yeah. And we're, we've, co- we've come to a spot where it's like in the comics, it used to be for the longest time, it's like, yes, he's doing that, but it's good. It's for the greater good. Right, yeah. Now he's doing that, and it's like, no, people are people, and they make these mistakes, and if you know a regular person had these abilities, it's a crapshoot whether or not that works out well. For right? Them. Yeah. Um, well, the thing I found most interesting about that they altered the comic, kind of strayed pretty close to the comic origin, um, but they they changed one essential thing about it that made him less creepy than the comics. I thought because I thought when he met Gabriel. In the comics, he was kind of her psychiatrist, wasn't he? Wasn't he kind of her therapist or trying to work with her in the hospital? Might have been. And and so that puts an extra that. layer of creepy with him helping yeah. her out with his telepathy. Yeah. I'm pretty certain he was in some sort of inappropriate, you know, leadership role that he shouldn't have been messing with her. Mm-hmm. But in this, they plop him in as, as an inmate. So that, that makes that whole arc a little less... A little less disturbing right. and, and inappropriate in this day and age, in any day and age. But you know, I know what it was we're saying. Cru- 
it was crucial to Gabrielle in the comics that he and David not know that they were related to one another at all. Right. Even when she finally had to call Xavier for help, it was like, I can tell him everything about what's going on, but he can't find out, nor can David know that they are related to one another. Right. Yeah. Um, which we're assuming, I mean, we didn't, we'll, we'll get into it, but we're assuming that's kind of almost the case in this, you know, that, uh, well, eventually that he, he does end up giving David away, presumably because of Gabrielle's condition and, you know, that he knew that possibly... His powers would be passed on. Right. So let's jump into it, and we've done our little back-and-forth thing here again, So, and I've barely read the script that I just gave to both of us, and I didn't get a chance to rewatch. so uh, I'm the one in the dark here, so hopefully Pat has better telepathic powers than I do and <laughs> can feed me a line if he needs to, but... Ah, la, la, let's get started. Uh, baby David lies in his crib, and his mother, Gabrielle, uh, watches over him and tends to him, and when she isn't, she writes to David's father, who's currently not there, and she wonders if he's still there and wonder how long he's been gone. And Gabrielle and David uh, watches, you know, we're doing, like, flashbacks, flash-forwards, flash-all-the-way-arounds in this one, as always. And uh, so Gabriel and David watches uh, Charles uh, leaves the house and catches a taxi. And she wonders if the father made uh, the place out of a dream and if he's inside of her. So, you know, Gabriel's got some mental stuff going on, kids. Let's just put that on the table and, you know, we'll we'll show you more of that in a bit. Later, Gabriel lies in bed and remembers talking to him. As he packs, Charles says he doesn't know how long he'll be gone. He tells her he found someone like him and says that he's no longer alone. And Gabriel wonders if he thinks uh, he was alone before now. You know, perfect trap for, for Charles to walk right into. Oh, you were alone before now? You know, meaning, you know, with her. But, you know, until she found this other mutant, he's like, of course, uh, she knows what he means. He tells her that he won't be lying, but he has to go and promises to come back. Gabriel tries to sleep and lights flash around her and she hears an adult David talk to her briefly, calling her mama. The next morning, Gabriel goes downstairs and finds the front door open. A pair of doors stand out on the sidewalk leading to the house, attached to nothing. Gabriel finally reaches out and touches one door. Gabriel sits in a room at the mental hospital, staring into space. Gabriel sits and reads to the baby David as the angry boy doll's, doll lies next to the child. Crucially, she's reading an actual book, not a made-up book like right. the angry boy. She's reading Harold and the Purple Grand. Yeah. <clears throat> Earlier, she watches Charles in the basement working on his Cerebro helmet, which is one of the coolest things I've ever seen on TV. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When she leaves, Charles puts it on and follows a thought to Morocco. He sees Farouk and realizes that he's the source of the powerful thought. Farouk realizes he's being observed. Now, that outside of the house, that's obviously in the the south. That's not in Westchester, New York. Right. Yeah, no, no. Uh, It's like Florida or something out there. I I just, no, I assumed they were still maybe in England, but, I mean, that's after they got out of the hospital that we'll be talking about in a minute, but I, I kind of assumed that was still in Europe, but. And it looks like the house, not on the interior, but the exterior, looks like the house from uh, House 2, the second story. Oh, wow. It actually looks very similar to, like, this castle-type house that we have in my hometown, Watertown, that, that is called the Clinton Street Castle. Nice. Yeah, the Westchester mansion from the movies is in uh, Victoria, British Columbia. Right. Okay. I've actually been there. Nice. I see the uh, one of the ones they use for Wayne Manor is, uh, or at least some shots of it is over here, 
close to Rochester. I forget what nice. the name of the place is, but well, how far away from Rochester is Westchester? Our oh, like six miles, or six miles, like six hours. That's down by New York oh, okay. City. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was upstate as well for some reason. Well, you know, upstate from New York City, so that's what okay. everyone from New York City. We're six hundred miles from New York City, but we're still just upstate. You know, if you're twenty miles north of New York City, you're also upstate. So. But I live in Western New York. I hate that upstate shit. So, <laughs> Paul Spataro, David Pascal, just saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the the other thing, the the door outside of the uh, outside of the house, I, I have to just confess here that my nerd brain went right to Wiley e. Coyote putting up a false door in front of Bugs Bunny's hole. Yeah, uh, and knocking on it. Yeah, <laughs> that was the Looney Tunes is a frequent reference explosion in my brain for some reason. <laughs> but let's continue. Uh, Charles Xavier, super genius. In the Institute, Dr. Monaghan asks his patient Charles uh, if he can read something to him. Charles stares off into space and Monaghan reads from Heidegger. Uh, Monaghan asks if uh, it holds personal meaning to Charles and Charles hears uh, Monaghan thinking that he should be moved because he's non-responsive. Charles leaves the office and goes through the main room. He makes eye contact with uh, Gabrielle and sits down next to her and makes telepathic contact with her. Gabrielle is pretty much in a catatonic state at this point. Charles hears sirens and men screaming and breaks the contact, startled. And we we figure out pretty soon what those sounds were. She's a Holocaust survivor. Um, He then asks the nurse if she knows where Gabrielle came from, and the nurse says that Gabrielle came from the camps and has no one. Which I was a little surprised I didn't, uh, I mean, I guess that pretty much means that, uh, although in the comics, Charles was actually, I, I mean, Gabrielle was still like a Holocaust survivor, well, which would have worked out time-wise, um, but it implies later that Chuck himself was in World War II. World War One is the uniforms that they're wearing. Yeah, that was really bizarre. Okay, they're I was in... Doughboy, they're wearing doughboy hats, and the German that he attacks is not in a Nazi uniform. He's in, like, a World oh, War Oh, that's I. right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of wild, because Charles Xavier in the comic, the original run of the comic books, I'm sure that they've had to retcon the, the time several times by now. It was the Korean War, I think, that he was, yeah. was in originally when he met Farouk. Um, but uh, to you, sir... Well, uh, going back to the scene you talked about, what the Heidegger that he has to read, uh, Xavier, is um, saying that, you know, every man is really many men. Right. Dies as one man. Yeah. Yeah. And then the doctor brings up, um, he should give uh, Charles over to three. Yeah, I wasn't... Which division three? Yeah. I'm I'm guessing... He doesn't say division three. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, and then you hear Charles, you know, thinking that, oh, is everybody here as stupid as you? <laughs> yep. Um, so, that night, Charles dreams of David's commune in the present. He opens the curtains surrounding the bed and finds a path leading off into a forest. Charles follows the path and comes to a trap door. He opens it and finds himself on a tunnel beneath a battlefield. Gun drawn, Charles follows the tunnel, and Uter officer Ernst attacks him. Is that name in the show? I don't remember that. I don't recall it. Yeah. Ernst pins Charles to the floor, and Charles telepathically commands Ernst to kill himself. Very on Xavier. You know, he can be forgiven for, like, being his life-and-death situation type thing. 
but he could have put him to he could have put him to sleep. I mean, but he may not may not have known the extent of his yeah. his own abilities at yeah. that point. So. Yeah, that's the kind of shit he gets mad at Wolverine about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the Winter Officer picks up his gun and shoots himself in the head. David sits before his believers who chant to him. Now I remember they're all eating breakfast mm-hmm. while this is going on. The breakfast queen scenario. Right. Uh, Gabriel asks Charles if she hears something. Charles doesn't. Later in bed, Charles lies awake as Gabriel sleeps beside him. And they're kind even though they're holding hands, this mirrors Sid and David in bed right. because they even have the barrier. Yeah. There's a pillow between the two of them, just yeah. like David and Sid. Yeah. So Gabrielle lies alone in bed and hears the music of present David's era. They just kind of keep popping in and out of these visions of David's party people. Um, later, she tends to baby David and wonders what he would become as he grows up, uh, like Charles or like her. So in other words, like either mutant or with some serious mental problems or probably a good little mix of both. Uh, and she questions when he will learn that the world is an ugly place. As Gabrielle locks up the door, as adult David calls to her again, she can't hear him, and Switch admits that she hasn't gone back so far before. Uh, adult David can sense Farouk coming and tells Switch to do something, but she warns that she can't. Gabrielle goes upstairs, and adult David warns Switch that they're running out of time. Now, we, we've talked many times about how this show has a very on-stage theatrical quality, and then this would be a, it was a perfect example of that, because they don't bother to even show you David or Switch you know, psychically eavesdropping it's literally just their voices um, and it, it almost sounds like it's intentionally off stage, you know it's because mm. uh, it wouldn't have cost them, you know, that much to cut to the scene of, of actually showing their faces or something or done a little, you know, ghosty effect of them standing in a corner but uh, I think it was pretty effective just having just having them talking to each other over over the action. Well, I think the new TV is all about, you know, being able to watch things like on a phone using a headphone jack. Yeah. And I watched the first episode probably the fifth time. I've seen it lots and lots of times. It's been a long time since I watched it. But, man, is there a lot of whispering in David's head in that episode that you just mm-hmm. can't quite hear. So, and it works great with headphones. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, they really put it on all sides of you and... This is what Gabrielle is going through. Yeah. Is we can hear what she's hearing, but she can't quite hear it. Right. She's not hearing the mamas or any of that stuff. She's just hearing that there's voices. Yeah. Yeah, and she just thinks it's part of her own psychosis. She worries that it's coming back. In the Institute, adult David and Switch watch Charles and Gabrielle together. Switch says the two times are somehow linked. Charles finishes a sketch of Gabrielle, but she doesn't respond when she sees it. He opens the box that Gabrielle is holding and finds the angry boy doll inside. Charles closes it and looks up to see Gabrielle looking at him. She's otherwise non-responsive, and Charles makes telepathic contact with her and hears the screams from the camps. Gabrielle, or Charles looks up and sees Gabrielle at the window looking out. He goes over and greets Gabrielle, who responds to him and says that it's a nice day. Now, this is a lot of what, um, if you watch... The X-Men movies, uh, Charles did to uh, Magneto when they were getting to know one another. Right. It's kind of reach, reaching out and probing his pain. Yeah. And they put that button on that during the show with chess game after chess game after chess game getting shown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did their nice but, little call-outs. It was probably yeah. as much as he could get away with. Cerebro was nice. I was still yeah. Cerebro. 
and that he built it, not Hank in a CIA laboratory. Yeah, <laughs> never, never liked that one at all, actually. Uh, all right, so Gabrielle and Charles go to the common room to eat and talk about tomatoes, or <laughs> tomatoes, sorry, which she thinks, you know, is, is kind of strange apples. Uh, she probably didn't get a lot of uh, fresh produce in the camps, I'm betting. And she asked what he saw when he was in her mind, and he was obviously taken aback that she he figured that out. <laughs> and Charles explains that he was uh, he can hear thoughts and memories, and he, he decided that people deserve their privacy, so he tries not to pry. Uh, he doesn't know if there are others like him, and he tries to help. Gabrielle says that she's not well, and Charles admits that he isn't either. And Charles says that they can change, but Gabriel doesn't believe it. You know, and she asks him to prove her wrong. When the time comes, they leave holding hands. <laughs> Later, uh, Charles sends Gabrielle a sketch of a strawberry. They play chess, eat, dance, and finally kiss. Yeah, I w- I almost wonder if the if she knows more than she's telling, or if the tomato was supposed to be a psychic defense. Right. Well, she's I, asking. Yeah. Like, did it work? <laughs> yeah, I, I get the sense through all this too, and that. I don't know, you know, that she knows when she's talking about where the kid, you know, if they would end up like Charles or like her, I think it's more, not necessarily like will she he end up psychic or crazy, but she's got something darker going on in her that she's worried about him, him picking up something, you know, actually maybe demonstrably evil, like maybe she's Farouk's uh, current host or something to that effect, I don't know. He's been lying in wait, you know, found somebody, found someone in the camps. Maybe he found Magneto in the camps. Maybe he was, like, Mm. tracking Magneto, and, uh, hmm, I don't know. (laughs) Probably not. No, I don't think we're going to see Magneto. Unless, I'm I'm so scared that this is going to end with, like, a Tommy Westfall, um, St. Elsewhere ending. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what they're going (laughs) to do. It'll be something, it'll either be all in his head or it won't you know, essentially. So, we shall see. Uh, Charles lies in bed and sees Farouk in his thoughts. Gabriel comes to him and joins him in bed and says that she had a dream that they lived together far away from the Institute and the stars belonged to them. Charles says it doesn't matter to him that it was a dr- to him that it was a dream and says there's something he can do. Gabriel asks what they're waiting for and Charles takes Gabriel to the main room. The patients and staff applaud and congratulate them and the couple walk out and Monaghan opens the doors for them. Critically to the song, She's a Rainbow by the Rolling Stones. Which was in the first episode. Yep. Mm -hmm. As was, uh, now what was the psychiatrist asking David in the first? What's behind the stars? Wasn't it? That doesn't come into it until uh, later on. Right. That was the, that wasn't uh, that wasn't Kissinger. It was okay. um, his father. It was supposed to be his adopted father. Told David that the stars spoke to him, right. and the, the doctor was always asking what the stars said. And David, that's would, it. That's it. Yeah. You know, eat the eat the tapes, and yeah, he did it. He did answer him, but he destroyed all of the evidence of the answer. That right. He gave. So I mean, that, that's got to be a, a direct reference to this. As yeah. Well, I'm yeah. thinking. Um, yeah, but and and the callback to the stones, they're going to be happy to be able to put that one in the, uh, the show. Yeah, <laughs> I've been listening to that a lot of my own anyway. But oh, by the way, the the song we I'm sure some people, if you've listened to the last episode, has figured this out by now. The song that we thought was maybe Blue Jay Way by the uh, by the Beatles was actually Glimpses by the Yardbirds. So 
Oh! The, the proper tune is in last week's podcast. Great. I've not heard it yet. Yep. Thank you, Internet, for helping us find that one. <laughs> no, you, there's a YouTube channel that, that, that keeps real good track of all Legion songs and stuff, so I, I love it, and I, I use it without apology for every show that we do. <laughs> well, what's the name of the channel, then, Scott? Uh, I don't know off the top of my oh. head. It's in my, it's in my <laughs> subscription somewhere, and okay. I usually just punch in Legion Music Season 3, yeah. and somebody comes up with something. Yeah. Uh, so where were we here? Yes, uh, so obviously an egregious abuse of uh, Xavier's power going on here. He mm-hmm. is, I mean, that's the way I saw it. He essentially makes the whole hospital just, you know, Go ahead, you know, and, and they applaud him, and, you know, I don't know how much of that was actually real or maybe in Gabrielle's head, <laughs> but clearly Xavier worked a little ma- mutant magic and got them out of the hospital before they were probably supposed to go. Uh, so, yeah, that's probably Xavier's first sin that we got to see, uh, that or the soldier anyway. Uh, at the house, Gabrielle takes care of baby David. She and Charles looks at uh, the baby and adult. David sees them. Uh, from his younger self's point of view, and he wonders why Gabrielle gave him away. He does the whole "Why didn't you love me?" thing. Wonders. Uh, Charles wonders if he passes on his telepathy and ends up like him. And Gabrielle assures her husband that uh, David will be himself. Uh, once the couple leave, adult David looks down on baby David and says that something scary is coming, but he'll protect his younger self. Uh, Gabrielle writes to Charles after hearing the voices, telling Charles that maybe her sickness is coming back. She feels something watching over her when she sleeps, but the shadow seems to move when she's awake. It's something, she says it's something wonderful when she's awake. Uh, Gabrielle wonders why Charles left her alone. Watching TV, Gabrielle holds baby David. Adult David tries to warn her that they're at the door, but she can't hear him. The TV goes dead, and Gabrielle sets baby David down to examine it. The shadows coalesce around baby David, and Gabrielle sees them in the reflection on the TV screen. She turns, but there's nothing there, and Gabrielle picks up the crying baby David and starts to go upstairs. The front door is open, and the phone rings. Now, she's watching Switch's dad, on, or the guy right, who made yeah. Switch's tapes on TV, who... I think is trying to warn not her, but switch about what's up. Maybe. Yeah. That he's was like, you know, really confusing. You, yeah. You can't, he's like, you know, where you're at, you can't stay awake and it's closing in on you. You know? Yeah. You should, you shouldn't be here. He also mentions her teeth in that speech. Um, but David is, getting really mad at his baby self because he's like, you know, you should be screaming for your mom to hear you right? so that she pays attention. Because her attention to David is kind of passive. Yeah, yeah, very she much like, so. Yeah. She's not, act, she's not very actively involved in his care. She, you know, she loves him, but she's like Charles's mom in the first movie where it's like, you know, motherhood is not full attention on the baby. It's, you know, acknowledging baby is there. And, right going and watching TV like many parents do right now. Well, I think there's an aspect, too, that maybe she's just kind of being swept along in this, and she thinks it may all be just Charles's powers, and that they're all still back in the, you know, the hospital, which kind of parallels what David's gone through a lot yes, in the yes. first two seasons. Um, is any of this really happening, and, you know, how much, how much do I really need to be invested in it if it isn't? <laughs> um, 
So yeah, a lot of interesting stuff going on. I love the actress that plays Gabrielle. She just really crushes it. Whatever she's supposed to be doing, she's crushing it. As far as the tooth thing, I know we're going to cover it later too, but um, Tina actually came up with this and it was an intriguing theory when I, you know, was telling her, it's like, well, we're still, you know, looking, figure, trying to figure out what the tooth deal is, you know, because I actually found it in like the first episode. Oh, yeah. And, and she thought it was a white rabbit. And and she saw it as a, a little white rabbit statue, and I'm like, no, I think it was a bloody tooth, but that would definitely fucking work for this show, yep. you know. And, and, and it might have been intention that it looks a little like a little white rabbit because there's all kinds of rabbit holes in this universe. Um, so giving Tina props on that one for coming up with a possible alternative, but we we yeah, find out. I thought it was a a tiny skull when I first saw it. Right, yeah. And and Tina's one said White Rabbit. I'm like, no, nah, I think it's a bloody tooth. And yeah, I win because we actually get confirmation that it's a bloody tooth <laughs> this time. But <laughs> still, all theories are valid in this in this podcast, kids. And we'd love to hear yours. So email us at cheapscottproductions at gmail.com if you want to leave some comments. Thanks in advance. It's my turn? Yep. <laughs> okay. Gabrielle sits alone at the table, blank piece of paper under her pen. The phone rings, and she finally answers. And a very frantic Charles says that he should never have gone to Morocco, and Farouk is a devil. Static on the line keeps him from hearing Gabrielle, who begs him to come home. She hangs up the phone, and the shadows move beyond her. Gabrielle sees something and asks who is there, and Farouk's mental presence enters the house. Gabrielle sleeps. Adult David tries to contact her. She wakes up and hears baby David crying and discovers that the doors and windows out of her bedroom have disappeared, just like what happened in the first episode at Clockworks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Baby David continues to cry, and a door appears. Gabriel goes into the nursery and turns over Baby David and discovers that his face is gone. That was she creepy. Get... Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> she just keeps turning him over and turning him over. Yeah. And... <laughs> no face. <laughs> She yells at the baby to stop crying and then turns to see adult David calling to her. Charles arrives and blasts adult David's consciousness away, making him, mistaking him for an attacker. And that was awesome when that yeah, happened. Yeah. I had, uh, I had a friend that was super cynical about the X movies. And I was like, no, 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 no. First class is going to, is so good. You're going to really enjoy it. And he's like, it's idiotic to me that they have to have Xavier put his fingers to the side of his head yeah. to show that he's using his mental powers. I'm like, no, it's cool. You know, it's very, yeah. it's very 1960s. Yeah. Just, yeah. just like that, that hat that he wears when he goes out of the house. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think he still has it on when he comes back in. Yeah. I was the nerd that actually got pissed when yeah. like Cyclops wouldn't touch his visor. You know, they they forgot to film, you know, draw him touching his visor occasionally when he was shooting beams. And it's like, no, man, it's got to release the the lens there. And so, yeah, I'm all about, yeah, you know, you got to. It's, you know, us us nerds get it. He's got psychic powers, but you kind of have to walk the normies through it by holding their hands occasionally. So I got no problem with it. And the little ripple psychic effect, you know, it works for me. <laughs> yeah. Um. Do, 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 yep. That was good. But that that when that happened, I'm like, holy shit! Is Xavier, you know, basically just prevented David from saving himself? <laughs> so we're getting into some serious timey wimey stuff here. It's like if Xavier hadn't interfered right then, 
Would David have been able to uh, complete his mission? We'll never know. Or will we? I don't yeah, know. I have a feeling he's going to keep fiddling with it. Yeah. So if, if Switch holds out, David finds himself back in Switch's time hallway. She comes in behind him and collapses, losing the tooth. And David uh, tells her that they have to go back, but Switch is like, yo, dude, you see this shit? I need a little nap. Uh, it's too far back, and she passed out from the strain. Charles uh, tries to wake Gabrielle up, saying that whatever it was is gone. You can't read her mind te- telepathically. She's basically gone back into a vegetative state, and behind him, Farouk's presence enters David. Inside of David's, uh, baby David's mind, Farouk is holding him and admires his beautiful boy, which is... Uh, a phrase that Gabrielle's been saying throughout the episode. My beautiful boy. And so now it's uh, Fruits, beautiful boy. And, and, and there it is. There's everyone's origin story uh, packed up in yep. 45 minutes. And it's a thing of beauty. I mean, I, I didn't know what to expect from this, but I'm kind of glad they just let it. They mostly just did Xavier's story. And, and I, thought they, I thought it was a perfect episode. I thought it was really great. I was very happy with it, especially after rewatching the first episode and comparing uh, what they did in both shows. Yeah, there's all kinds of flashbacks to season one too. Yeah, I mean when David is flashing back to, you know, um, just there's a whole litany of, of things going on. You know, we could see the, uh, you know, the, the kitchen scene and all that good stuff. Uh, and the little flashes—it's the, the walls between the worlds are obviously, you know, coming down because of time fuckery, as it will do. And uh, excited to see where it goes from here. I hope that's not the end of Xavier. I mean, they—they they ended it pretty, pretty definitively. You know, they—they they told the story that needed to be told, but there, there just seems to be like more that Xavier could do in this. And they hoping. said, uh, "What's her name? Gabrielle is in two more episodes at least." Ooh, so. Okay. Hmm. I, I didn't look at uh, Xavier how many he was going to be in. Well, I'm still thinking we're leaning towards eight. My other timey-wimey theory is that David is actually the one that led Farouk back to his baby self, in a way. Yep. You know, that it's the per- the perfect fucked-up paradox time loop. You know, that if David hadn't gone back to save himself, Farouk never would have found him as a baby, or something bizarro like that. You know, it's, time travel makes my head hurt. I'm getting way too old for it. That's why I'll probably take a pass on the next Terminator movie. <laughs> yeah, it would be, it'd be interesting if they were ever able to have, like, two sequels that connected with one another on any level at all. Yeah. It's always like, okay, we're doing it again. The only movies that matter are one and two. Yeah. These other three that we've made didn't happen. Yeah, that's what the Terminator, new Terminator is going to do. I, I wish the X, I, the X Men kind of, sort of, made an attempt to do it with Days of Future Past, but then kind of fucked that all out of proportion. They couldn't even keep the continuity straight from from Apocalypse to Dark Phoenix. So, I still haven't seen Dark Phoenix. Yep, uh, you and you and everyone else in the world. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Xavier is also in three episodes. Okay, nice. So yep. they're, they're taking it the almost, almost all the way to the end then, because there's only five more after this. So, hmm, nice. I wish uh, I wish Avi Arad and company were watching this, because how he's dressed in that is always how I imagine uh, Reed Richards dressed when he leaves the house. Oh, uh, Xavier does, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
how was Xavier's dress? Because it's like, uh, I, I, I love Reed Richards in a Homburg. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't need to worry about Avi anymore. Avi doesn't have to have his hands on Reed Richards at all. Luckily. Oh yeah, I meant uh, I meant Bob Iger. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not Avi Arad. Yeah, that's Spider Man on the brain. Yeah, Avi Arad still got a probably still got a credit to. No, he's he's a Sony guy, wasn't he? He's was Sony Marvel. Yeah, but, yeah. <clears throat> not much to say about this. It was it was wise of them to keep the weirdness out of it. I think for this one, Just, it was probably the least weird Legion episode we've ever had. Um, and that's okay because it was just supposed to tell the story of how David got to be David kind of and, and daddy Xavier. And so there you go. We've had Charles Xavier on an X-Men TV show and it was glorious. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get him a couple more episodes too. So still thinking this is going to do some kind of Legion quest thing that David either does save the world by going back and fucking with time or essentially makes things worse, which is usually what happens. Uh, (laughs) The last episode is Idris Elba with, like, dreadlocks and a big M over his eye, like, (laughs) where are the X-Men? That that would be fine by me, yeah. Why not? Uh, Shit. Noah's probably got any number of interesting celebrities that would probably do a nice cameo for him, so... You should tap that. He's had some pretty big stars on Fargo. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Or even, you know, if you want to be real clever, have, uh, what's his name, Bilbo. Wasn't he on Fargo for a yep. while there? Um, who's now playing CIA guy in the MCU. Have him pop in somewhere. And that would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's all happening in David's head, so it doesn't matter. Uh, unless it's not. But we'll all get there together. On uh, weekly heroics, you got anything more? Pat? No, I think I'm good. A nice lean episode, but um, we'll have some yes. music in here for you, and we'll we'll be back next week somehow. Yep. Bye now. Bye bye.